1: Welcome back, beautiful mamas. It's been a while since I have published a podcast. Things have been very intense, as I know they have been for you too. The last couple of months have, without doubt, been some of the hardest in our little family. The certainty that was there at the beginning of lockdown was tested as the weeks turned into months. And my own children, my own family needed such space holding from me. I chose to step back a little bit and do what was needed to make sure that my family and myself were okay. Something that I still struggle with, even after all these years of teaching and writing about the importance of not trying to be superwoman, of honouring what is needed in this moment, of listening to your body, Listening to your soul whispers, knowing that your dharma will wait for you, as the spectacular Deborah Poneman once told me, it's still hard. It's still hard. And on top of that, with George Floyd's murder and the awakening and protests around the world, around Black Lives Matter, really forced me to stop. I decided to be silent for a little while. Let some voices that need to be heard much more than mine be heard. And also step back and see what it is that I'm doing in my business, in my work, with all of you. See what I'm teaching my children. See the role model that I am trying to be. And I've learned a lot. Expect different conversations coming expect a different call to action. But for now, I just want to say that I really do believe that working on ourselves, really honouring matrescence, which is, in a nutshell, an opportunity to question everything and to transform who you've been. If you've carried a belief This is your chance to question it and transform it. This is your chance to change those beliefs. This is your chance to choose again, redefine yourself and others. And so I just want to say for today that you are the role model for your family. You set the culture, you set the tone. They are watching you. And everything you do every day to try and be the best you can be, not because you're following some antiquated, patriarchal idea of what a good mother and a successful woman needs to look like, but instead because you've dug deep inside and looked at the stories you might be carrying, the beliefs that you might be holding, the pressure you're putting on yourself, and you're beginning to rise above it. That's what we really need in the world right now which is why I'm really thrilled after this short break of publishing my podcast, being there for my family, honouring what we needed and also doing some deep reflection. I come back to you today with an interview with Felicity Harley. Felicity has a new book out called Balance and Other BS. The subtitle is How to Hold It Together When You're Doing It All. This is a really, really beautiful conversation. It pretty much is everything I've ever shared with you over the many years that I may have been in your ears or in your inbox. It is a reflection of the rigged system that asks us to do it all and pretend we have balance. It holds a beautiful insight into the research and the data of what's really happening for women right now. Interviews a lot of other mummers, authors and experts and leads us to question things, question balance and find our own version of it. I loved this interview with Felicity. It got me excited about the changes that are coming again and I hope it does for you too. The world needs a lot of changes right now. Maybe this is how we can start. Enjoy. Enjoy. dedicated to changing the conversation about what it means to be a mother and a woman in this day and age. I'm Amy taylor Cabaz, author, mama and former journalist. After spending 15 years chasing news and burning myself out trying to be superwoman, I realised that I was chasing a dream that no longer served me. And since then, dedicated myself to understanding the transition that we go through as women when our whole identity shifts with motherhood. Every week, I will bring you the very best insights and inspiration I can find to help us all change the way we feel about this time in our lives and create a movement that allows us to honour motherhood Felicity, thank you so much for joining the Happy Mama Movement podcast. I have loved your book and I'm really excited about sharing you with all of my mama
0: listeners. Well, thanks for having me, Amy. I'm excited to be here. It's, um, yeah, I'm excited to talk about balance and how it is actually BS.
1: Exactly. So, I thought I'd start because your story really resonated with me, both backgrounds in the media, both big ideas and big ambitions of what this balance would look like when we got to, you know, the definition of success. And then when we got there, realized that it was BS and choosing differently. But if you could go back to when you did have all of those ideals of what this could be, what do you think your definition
0: of having it all would have been? Oh, good question. I mean, I I actually talk, I do refer to this in the book. I talk about, you know, being in my twenties and having it all was having kids, husband, the white picket fence, um, a really successful career, being able to go on weekends with my girlfriends, maybe um, you know, still at seven o'clock at night, just pop up the street and have a wine with someone also go and do yoga, go running, go on great holidays <laughs> and really eat healthy. And, and so my list goes on.
1: <laughs> so yeah.
0: That's probably what it was like when I was going through my twenties, I was thinking, yes, when I'm in my thirties, you know, and we really have been sold that having it all is marriage, kids, career and yeah. And, and being happy
1: and that there's balance in there somehow you know when you list that it sounds crazy when when are you meant to sleep in that beautiful world that you just created and painted for us but that's actually what we thought we were heading to and that we assumed when we got there it would feel awesome it would be balanced that beautiful balance between your husband and your white picket fence and the career that everybody is admiring it would have felt balanced
0: I know it's, it's, it's a great point actually. And, and you're right. We would have had time to just sit there and breathe it all in and think, yeah, I'm loving this life. It's, you know, it's, it's finding those moments of stillness in all that chaos. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I, I just don't have enough of those. And then I, and that's where, you know, we're sold, we have been sold the idea that you know, it's utopia when you reach balance and we'll all be, when you reach balance, you're happy and you're well, and everything's going along smoothly. And we now know that a lot of us are here, that that's just not the case. So
1: I know because I've read your book, but looking back, do you think the realization that this was all BS, And let's preface this by saying there are moments where it feels beautiful and aligned, but the majority of the time you're exhausted and juggling and rushing from one place to the other. In the process of writing this book and coming to the understanding that this is all BS, was it one particular moment or was it a slow realisation that what you were trying to achieve wasn't possible?
0: I I think it's been over the years a slow realisation and, and perhaps there was a moment it was probably about 18 months ago when I mean I've got three kids and um they're seven five and two now but Arabella was the youngest wasn't one yet when it was just all way too much. And I was still, I really wanted to come back from mat leave and, and come back to my job. And my husband, he, um, has a pretty full on job as well. So we, it was probably at that moment that I thought, Oh, like, where is the way out? How am I going to cope? So I actually wrote an article, mm-hmm. um, oh, and I actually had been speaking to friends a lot. And I, i just really felt, that a lot of women were feeling this, this overwhelm, and and that we're sold this idea that we can have it all, or perhaps not at the same time, but we can all have it all. And so, I actually wrote an article for uh, women.com.au dot com. and um, it called "Balance Is BS," and we've been sold a modern lie. And I just question whether feminism has. I mean, I'm a, I'm a feminist. So obviously, I'm not. You know, I'm I'm not. A, um, You know, I'm not being negative on feminism, but um, I just question whether what feminism promised us. Is it really all it's cracked up to be? Is this what I wanted when I stamped my feminist manifesto at 18 and went to university? Um, And so I, I wrote this article and it just went, bananas, basically. I, I've i never written anything in my 20-year career as a journalist that's got so much feedback and you know, random people that I went to school with texting me and Facebooking me saying, wow, that was, a, that was a really, you just hit the nail on the head. So at that point, that's when I um, thought, gosh, I think there's something in this. And I was actually talking to Alan Nunwood at the time about potentially writing a book and I sent them that and they said, go away and just spend Two months just researching this topic and so that is when I really went deep into talking to all my friends mums at the school gate my barista like everyone that I knew and just saying are you feeling this and I really felt like everyone every woman in that you know the say the 25 to 45 year old demographic was overwhelmed fed up exhausted angry and I thought gosh what why are we Why are we here and what can we do to change it?
1: And what I think is so important that you've just shared there too, Felicity, is that we were all feeling it but none of us were saying it, that it took you writing that article for even random school friends to reach out to you and say, yes, me too. You know, and now obviously me too has got a whole movement around it. But when we talk about this in particular, this this almost silent struggling that so many of us have done for decades, trying to prove that we can keep up, trying to tick things off the list to show that we're successful or happy. We kept it silent for so long, didn't we?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think, I think that obviously there are places that we can talk, like people find, you know, solace in Facebook groups or mum's groups or that sort of thing. But I think we don't talk enough. We don't put a hand up enough and say, I'm struggling. I'm not, you know, we we're it's almost like we we're behind closed doors and we're so frantic that we actually don't have time to stop and say anything. And I think, you know, rewind 40 years, we had a great community around us of, of friends, of neighbours, of family. I mean, today most of our family lives 100 kilometres away, if not overseas. Um, We don't have that community around us. A lot of us don't anyway. And, um, you know, we don't have the next door neighbor that we can just go, oh, by the way, can you watch my kids while I go to a dentist appointment? Um, And, you know, we used to have that. So I think that is a big reason why we all are kind of struggling. And I also talk about this in the book, but social media is playing a big role in that. I think that look, we all know what we see on social is a curated, edited version of someone's life. But studies actually, I came across this study that actually showed that even if you have a healthy self-esteem and you feel absolutely fine where you're at in life, you still will be affected by what you see on social media. And it will still make you question whether what you've got is actually what you want. Um, this is a study done out of the U S so I think that's just something that we need to be really mindful of. So, yeah, I think, you know, I want to try this book to say, you know what, we all, we're all struggling and we need to talk about it more and we need to share how hard it is sometimes. And, but as you say, we also have moments of joy and we need to celebrate those.
1: Yes, absolutely. And I often found this way back in the beginning of me sharing this side of motherhood and researching myself that a lot of women were reluctant to say how hard this was because I don't want to be ungrateful. I noticed you started your book very much. It it reminded me of this as I read the opening of your book saying, look, I haven't had a, a mental health breakdown. I haven't been diagnosed with some terrible disease. I haven't had any major crisis in my life, but... Every day, it's the the level of overwhelm and struggle is real. And I often have found in my own work with mamas over the years that this sense of I can't complain, I've got everything I wanted, I got the house, I got the job, I got the kids it's almost this sense of not wanting to speak up that I think keeps us quiet too. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's the guilt, like you feel it's the guilt that women carry, that we feel guilty if we say, oh, but I'm really struggling. Um, We're still getting up, you know, I've still got a five-year-old who gets up two two times a night. You know, I feel guilty for saying this because I've got perfectly healthy children. Mm -hmm. And so we get into this cycle and then and so we don't say anything. So we keep it to ourselves. Oh, you know, it's not, it's not that bad. I haven't lost a child. I've still got a child. Um, but I actually, you know, throughout my book, I speak to a lot of experts in mental health and in feminism and, and, and the resounding message that I took away is that you can't, you have to acknowledge your own struggles before you acknowledge and help someone else. So just because you're struggling with um, whatever it might be with a, you know, your two-year-old. At, 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 let me use an example right now. My two-year-old would not put the dummy out of her mouth. She's just obsessed with a dummy and I cannot get it out of her mouth. <laughs> and it seems like such a trivial thing, but don't take away from what you're struggling with. Yes. Do like acknowledge it, deal with it, and then you can help other people. And I think that, you know, just don't let other people's problems diminish your problems. Um, Really
1: important, isn't it?
0: Yeah, because otherwise you get in that guilt cycle and then all of a sudden it's just you're not in a good mental space.
1: That's right. And that's when you do have those other things happen. No, I think it's really important. The mummers that have listened to my podcast for a long time will have heard some of the references you make in your book. And as I said to you before we hit record, as a journalist and a researcher, I love all of the the facts and the research that backs up your book. There's a few key things that you speak about that mamas might have heard the words, have a basic understanding of, but I'd love us to explore a bit more. And two of those are the mental load and the second shift. I think in my own work and in my own life, when I started understanding what these were, it helped me see myself differently. It helped me understand my own overwhelm, my own anger, my own burnout in something that's not just... Because I'm not doing a good job. That's actually a global problem with what we ask women and mothers to do. So, what do what do you understand and see right now around the mental load of motherhood and the second shift?
0: Yeah. So I, I talk, I mean, I've dedicated a chapter to the mental load. Mm -hmm. Um, so basically the mental load is, is all the thinking and the planning and the organization and the worrying that, that women do. So it's not, I suppose it's not just the organizational stuff. It is, remembering what has to be done around the house, remembering that, you know, your child has to be at the dentist or this one has to be at football or, you know, this one goes to school on Wednesday, but we can't send them to school. So it's all of that. And it's all this, we carry it around in our heads and it's draining us. And, and it it's, I suppose, until you, you're not aware of it until you become aware of it. And it really came into the vernacular. I think, off the top of my head about five years ago maybe a bit more when a French cartoonist actually named it um so it's been been obviously there for years but these French cartoonists did a brilliant cartoon about the mental load and how women almost carry it like a big rock on our shoulders um Mm -hmm. and you know what it takes and and you can never turn it off unless you sleep for me anyway Mm -hmm. um and so I think this compounds our mental well-being, and it makes you tired, exhausted, overworked and because basically you're thinking, planning and running the household and it's not that your partner doesn't do it. It's just that somehow it's innately, I think, a female thing to do.
1: Absolutely. And I, as you were describing it, I was even thinking of your reference to your two year old and the dummy, like that something, and only a woman would understand this, but that is something that's probably taking up a lot of mental space. What am I going to do about that dummy? And you lie in bed. How am I going to get that dummy out of her mouth? What am I going to do about that? Maybe I should. And then you Google, what can I do <laughs> with a dummy? And it's, it's relentless and we and we wonder why we feel the way we do, because we carry all of this stuff.
0: Yes, yeah. And it's exhausting and, and, it, and it and it and it seeps on the well-being. And I think um, you know, I I came across these fantastic studies. I know you like studies, Amy. Um mm-hmm. it was done by the Jean Hales Foundation a couple of years ago and it was around fourteen thousand Australian women. And it's horrifying some of the stats in that is i think it's about 70 percent of women all women are continually exhausted we're tired we're anxious we don't have time for we just feel like we don't have time for ourselves and i suppose in my book i just have to preface it's not i'm not dealing with clinically diagnosed um mental health issues i'm more like that's not my expertise i'm more focusing on the rest of us who are just mentally drained yes um so, yes, we're, we're all feeling this and I suppose the, the dummy thing, I mean I can't believe I've even talking about that, but that's just what's going on in my head right now. How am I going to lose that dummy? Um, but I think it's a beautiful <laughs> example. Like every mama
1: listening will know how much, I remember, Felicity will laugh at this, my sister and I, unfortunately she's just moved into states and so my mental wellness, which was my weekly catch-up with her, yeah, We'd catch up and we would spend a couple of hours while the five kids that we have between us would go crazy around us talking about those tiny little motherhood things. You know, we would spend an hour analysing how we're going to get more vegetables into that one who's been sick. But this is what we carry as mothers and then we ask them to also go and be a CEO and be a wife and be a daughter and be a friend and I think it's important to point out.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I think, I mean, that I think that, you know, the wife, mother, friend thing is going back to that conversation of feminism, that this is what we were promised and this is what, you know, the hopes were back in the 60s and 70s that this would happen. But what's happened along the way is that society hasn't changed to accommodate these ideals of women Um, and that's where it's all got messy and I think the um I think you know so much in feminism is a great thing and I don't think for one second any man or woman is going to disagree with that but it is also a wonderfully messy thing at the moment and we're all still trying to figure out how to do it and that includes the mental load
1: that's right and as you beautifully said the ideas are wonderful and there, but we don't have the systems to back it up yet. So we'll come to what the answer is and therefore perhaps a new way of looking at feminism and what we need in a moment. But just to finish that question I asked in the second one I think is yes. really important yes. to point out to mamas is second shift. Because again, this was something that, you know, when you first hear it's like a light bulb goes off in your head like, oh, yes, that's what it is.
0: Yeah. yeah, so the second shift is basically when you've done a full work day or work night, whatever hours you work during the day, and then you come home and you kind of clock off that job, okay, I'm leaving that one at the door and guess what, I'm here and I'm walking into a new one and that is the running of the house, the cooking of dinner, the making of lunch boxes, the feeding, the, the teaching, you know, if you've got a six month old, how do I put her or him or her on solids? Then it's the housework. And we know statistics show that women do the majority of housework. We pull the biggest load at home. And that really is a second job. So in many ways it's called, it's now referred to as the second shift. So it all kind of molds to in the mental load. Like I think when you think about it as two different things, they're scary when you put them together, they're even scarier.
1: And so What I think is so important about all of these understandings is these conversations come first, don't they? You know, we start having books like yours and podcasts, I hope like this, that start bringing this to light that then hopefully encourages conversations about how to change it. Like what are we going to do about this? If this is the reality, if we have the stats and the facts and the research and the data to show this is what's happening, what's the answer?
0: Well, I think, I mean, some people say well, some of the answer has actually been COVID-19. Um, I disagree
1: in, in some ways. I think it's shown us some different ways, hasn't
0: it? Yeah, like I think, you know, it, I don't, I'm a bit split on this because I think in some ways it has COVID's shown us, has enabled men to see exactly what, women or partners, you know, I'm, I'm, there's same-sex um, relationships who struggle with these things just as much as... Um, hetero ones but yes. I think it's shown that um yeah the, it's it's highlighted what one person probably does the most around the house and I'm just going to use a husband and wife or partners it's because that's my my experience but um it's shown say it's really shone a light on my husband Tom he's he's seen firsthand what I do every day and how I juggle work and and that kind of thing so it's been great in that respect but on the flip side I think it's also added to a lot of women's loads Mm -hmm. because we now have homeschooling we're now cooking so many meals at home we have to shop I have to shop for more food I mean my work now gets slotted in I'm writing stories between the hours of like 8pm and midnight, which is ridiculous and I can barely function, but there's no other time I can do it because I've got kids at home. So they need to be looked after or they're sitting on the iPad or movie for about four hours while I try and get something done. So I think it's a bit of a, it's, yeah, COVID's thrown up some interesting discussion points and I just hope that we can move forward with more flexibility in the workforce now because I think that, eases the, the child minding load between both, between both working, um, partners. Um, I also, I also a hundred percent talk a lot about, a lot about this in the book. We just have to empower men to step up more. Um, and re, you know, if, if to, I mean, it's not, it's, it's a fine line, isn't it? Because sometimes empowering can be nagging, so you don't want to nag but you just want to encourage and empower and you know to put the washing on the line if it's not how you would do it let it go at least it's done it might not be perfect but it's done and actually that's another thing I learned um, was a bit of a light bulb for me after writing this book was the term that done is better than perfect
1: yes very important when we're trying to get more balance isn't it
0: yes so does it really matter if like let's go back to the washing if the clothes aren't hung out the way that I like them to be hung out no they're put on the line and they're, they're drying and that is the most important thing does it really matter if there's not a whole lot of veggies in that spaghetti bolognese I was cooking that I was going to cook and that Tom's now cooked no not really it doesn't matter let's just it's done and we can eat it and it's one less thing that I have to worry about doing
1: yeah and again it sounds small but these things do make a big difference we really have to be able to bring this type of understanding to it i wanted to ask you uh again reading through about your returning to work after maternity leave and and having this you know you you ran a magazine for many years as editor and such a wonderful success in that traditional career and then come to the realisation that this just wasn't going to be possible anymore. Let me dig up a little bit so I can read it to you and read it to everybody. After I returned to Women's Health, the magazine, following that year's maternity leave, the stress took hold of me quickly. Anxiety about budgets, covers and a shrinking magazine industry plagued my sleep at night. I valued my professional life but I also knew I needed to be home more with my kids, not out at night at advertising launches. So in 2016, I quit what had been my dream job and found a role that was more fitting in my situation, better hours, less pay, and yes, new challenges. Sure, I missed my old job, but knowing what I valued meant the decision sat with me more easily. I wanted to talk to you about coming to peace with your changing ambitions, of coming to a place of peace and acceptance, that the dream you set in your 20s of, I'm sure, magazine editor, you know, even higher up, continuing to climb that ladder with the husband and the house and the three kids, when you realised that that needed to change right now, how have you come to be at peace with that or do you still have moments where you struggle with that? Um, what What is the reality of that like? I've had to do it too with my own career and I think it's a conversation that's really important for us to have for mummers.
0: Yeah. Um, I maybe I, I don't miss the stress. I remind myself how stressful it was. Maybe that's just, I don't know, I, I, I suppose I acceptance. Yeah. This is acceptance that my values I, I suppose back to that point I was really clear about what I'm I learned to be really clear about what my values are for that particular time in my life obviously we've all got values that we live by all through our lives and, and some of them never change but I think I got really clear about what my and now I am really clear about what my values are in that moment and that can be for me that is probably in I do those year by year or six months by six months. So I just had to almost pivot my headspace into thinking, okay, for this, for these next three years, I, it's got to be my children because I have chosen to have three kids ahead of my career. Like I could have chosen, I think we're a product of our choices and perhaps we need to be, I think sometimes I need to, remind myself of that. Like I have chosen to have three kids. So that was my choice. And my value is obviously family and kids at the moment. So that's what I have to accept. And somehow once you accept that, it just makes it easier to carry on with that road that you've chosen. Um, I don't know what, did it it work like that for you, Amy, or? Yes, I totally agree. I think,
1: uh, For me, it got untenable. I was unwell and it didn't work anymore. But it is, I really like the way you say, this is your choice right now that you've chosen to have three children and that it comes back to the values that you have. And I think in our 20s, well, in my 20s, my highest value was being successful. You know, it had that, uh, that was my focus. And it just took me a really long time to realize that had changed. It was almost I was reluctant to admit that that 20-year-old ambition had changed because a part of me, and not the true part, but a part of me felt like I'd failed if I hadn't reached the heights that I had set, and it was very much a um, process of realising that those dreams I set weren't my dreams anymore. They'd changed and I'd changed, but it took me, I don't know if I'm a slow learner, Felicity, but it took me a long time to be okay with that. (laughs) <laughs>
0: no, I, I think I think that's a really hard thing to accept because you do have I mean I was the same like I mean I there was many dreams that I've had when I quit women's health thinking oh I could do this and could do and none of them have happened have happened except write this book to be fair mm-hmm. um, and that's taken me a long time <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah I think it, you do have these especially career goals that you want to achieve and, and and, you know, we get into the trap of benchmarking ourselves against other women too, and I think that's a really slippery slope. So for me I just had to say, okay, I have to stay clear on what I want and what I'm going to achieve, and, and it, there might be a million things I want to do, like travel here and do this and do this, but what do I want to achieve and what are my values right now and, and stay focused. And I think also, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm, I miss not, I mean, I've got a career, but I miss not having, you know, sometimes I look at Tom and think, you know, he, he's runs the Sydney Swans and I think, and he just goes up into his room at the moment at 8am or whatever, and comes down at 6pm. And I'm thinking, Oh, Wow, that'd be really nice right now instead of having to deal with three kids all day. But then I think, you know what? No, there's there's going to be a moment in ten or fifteen years where I'll miss this. And actually, that's often one thing I always say to myself: there'll be a time when I'll miss this. There'll be a time when I look back because you hear people who are twenty years older than us say it to us all the time: "Oh, you'll miss when they're, you know, when they grow up and leave home." So I kind of remind myself: just try and enjoy it now. It's tough. It's hard, but one day you'll look back and you'll miss it. And remember, this is the thing that you always wanted as well. So yeah. they're kind of two reminders that I that play in my mental headspace when I'm feeling overwhelmed and stressed and very unbalanced.
1: <laughs> yeah. It is really hard when they go upstairs and close the door for their at-work hours, isn't it? <laughs> I still struggle with that at times.
0: <laughs> and I, And I suppose that's another, you know, I do... I can say, as we all probably are seeing statistics come through, that more women have lost their jobs during um, COVID than men and women's incomes have been harder hit, Our um, mental wellbeing has been harder hit. So I do worry about what we're going to look at, like as collectively as women, are, are gonna, how we're going to fare on the other side. But, um, yeah, it's hard when you're trying to still maintain some sort of career but you've also got the mental load and the responsibility of everything else.
1: We've got a long way to go, um, don't we? And, uh, you know, I have days where I'm super positive and I feel like things are changing, even an understanding of matrescence, which is what I really focus on, of this real identity shift through motherhood, this realisation that you're not who you used to be and that means that your values have changed and maybe your work will change and, and what you want out of life will change. Even that in the last 12 months is starting to be spoken about in bigger circles. So I have days where I'm super excited and think, yes, change for women and mothers is on its way. And then I have days where I think we have so
0: much work to do yeah. What did you land at Are you a bit the same. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I look it. Oh, it's so hard when, you know, there's almost a grieving process. I think when you, when you become a mum because, and I, and I had to go through it when you miss life before and then, you know, and you question, hang on, is this what life's like now? And I just have to accept it and be happy and, it's it's really hard, it's a struggle and but it does get easier. I think you become a bit more relaxed and okay with your decision and then and it's and it you do shift, and I know that sounds you've probably heard that a billion times before, but it does happen, and you do become okay with it i think so
1: and and the rewards of it become so much more obvious. I think at the beginning it's all just so. You know, there's so much to give to a child, to a baby. It takes so much of you. But as my eldest is now 12 and I can say that it's just spectacular to be able to have this beautiful family developing that is worth every one of those horrible <laughs> Creepy, sleepless nights. But as you said, there's still moments where I grieve. I still have days where I look at my husband and think, I would love to go and close the door at 8 a.m. and come down at six, but that is not the choices I'm making. I could, we could get a nanny in and do it. But actually, as you beautifully pointed out, my value is to be here, is to somehow, even though balance is BS. Find my version of it each day. And I, isn't that all we can do? Is just on a daily basis, refind our balance?
0: Yeah, I, I think I'm with you. I mean, I, I, I hated the first year of all my child's lives. I won't. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for being honest. I'm not going to lie about that. It was horrible and hideous, but in many ways, but also fun in some ways. But yeah, most of it. Oh, look, I could be handed all of my children at one and I'd be happy. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. <laughs> but but you're right now you know this, I just actually came back from a walk with my 7 year old we just walked around I just around the harbor in sydney and and we had lovely conversations about mine building minecraft villages and going back to footy and you know and i suppose for me now that those kind of connections and conversations are far more enriching for my soul than working say at women's health where I, I loved and also at women which I love and and so I think for me I'm far more spiritually and emotionally enriched having children than I was before kids so I think that's back to your point that that's kind of where you come to
1: yeah yeah so
0: I didn't even answer your question then I just kind of went on a different tangent
1: <laughs> no, but the tangent's perfect because I feel that that's a perfect place for us to to wrap this up is that you know the gifts of this are there, but you know if we could just put in a warning there to be aware of the mental load and the second shift, and be aware of the burnout, and and have conversations, and and try and try and not uh, chase the BS, chase the vision of having it all lined up perfectly because it's not possible. Instead, you might have to say no to that opportunity but then you get to walk around the harbour with your son and talk Minecraft and how perfect.
0: (laughs) Actually I talk a bit about in I mean my book's kind of half discussion half self-helpy as I call it and I think one of the things I talk about is the importance of finding mental space Mm -hmm. Um, and that can be five minutes in the toilet you know in your toilet sitting on the toilet just thinking not going to the toilet obviously but just just checking in with how you're how you're feeling? How your body's feeling? Where your mind's at today? Whether you're feeling low of energy? You know what can you achieve? And and that mental space can be five minutes, or it can be. I'm all for mental refresh trips for mothers. So mm-hmm. <laughs> thankfully enough, after coronavirus, we can get back into those. But actually, I you I um one of the celebrities I interviewed in my book is Yumi Steins, mm-hmm. and she talks about how she and goes on trips by herself um, once a year. And she talks about how there used to be a smug lady thing, but she just goes to a caravan park just by herself for a couple of days and and just reconnects with herself. And I just think that sort of thing is really important too. So just finding your mental space where you can check in and, and make sure that you're doing okay.
1: Exactly. Thank you so much. I have loved reading your book and I'm really grateful that these conversations are becoming more popular and that so many of us are talking about this and that your book's doing so well because it means more and more women and mamas are going to be aware of this and have these conversations. So thank you for everything.
0: Thank you so much for having me on and thanks to everyone for listening. I don't think
1: we can have this conversation enough right now. There's a lot of things going on in our world. But if we have balanced mothers, if we have women who feel empowered to look after themselves and their children differently, if we have strong mothers who say no to this crazy, ridiculous pressure the world has asked us to follow and carry, then maybe we'll see some other changes. I just want to say that it is BS And so in your own way, I hope you feel inspired today to make some changes as the world begins to speed up again. Know that the most important thing you can do for your children and for your family and for yourself is to say no to these crazy expectations and redefine womanhood and motherhood for yourself. Felicity Harley's book is Balance and Other BS and is published by Alan and Unwin and is out now. Please grab it and devour it like I did. And please, if you get a moment, jump online and leave a review for this podcast. The more reviews, the more five-star ratings that this has, the more mummers will find it. It's how it works with podcasts. It will weave its way into the ears of mummers who really need it right now. So, when you get a moment, I would greatly appreciate a review. And until next week, Satnam.